Welcome to the Birth Prep Podcast. I'm Taylor, and I'm here to help you prepare your mind, body, and team to best support you during your birth experience. to the birth prep podcast today i have a sweet internet friend with me layla from the learning to mom podcast where she informs and educates first-time mamas on pregnancy and birth so they can be empowered and educated without feeling overwhelmed by it all and i love that layla welcome to the birth prep podcast i'm so happy to have you i am so excited to be here taylor i feel like we became just fast friends So I'm like so excited to just chat with you today. I think we're going to have so much fun and hopefully be so, I don't want to say like so inspiring, but hopefully a lot of your listeners will just like get a lot of stuff out of this. I think they will. I'm so excited for our chat. Today, we're going to be chatting about basically what Layla would do differently if and when she has another baby and kind of relaying that back to her first birth story and how she learned a lot of things doing it that way. You ready mm-hmm. to go? I'm ready. All let's right. Let's hear it. it. Oh, let's hear it. Is that what you just said? Yeah, let's hear it. What do you want to oh, tell God. us? Well, I think it's important to kind of just like start at the beginning to give some framework to where I was coming from in my pregnancy. So my boyfriend and I got pregnant when we were boyfriend and girlfriend. I was 24 at the time, absolutely scared out of my mind, so terrified. Because I, well, I guess a few things. One, I never really imagined myself being a mom. Like some women grow up with this just like innate desire to be a mom. Yeah. And I never had that. Like I didn't even want to be the pretend. I didn't want to play pretend mom when we were playing house. And so I like really struggled with just like, oh my gosh. I'm going to be a mom. And the second thing that I really struggled with was that I was pregnant out of wedlock and Mm -hmm. I come from a really religious family. I'm religious myself. I dealt with a lot of shame. I had to like, let that go. I had to come, come to the Lord, like this whole, this whole thing. Right. Um, so pregnancy was just like really difficult and I suffered prenatal depression, which Honestly, I did not know that I had prenatal depression until someone mentioned it, like just on a whim on my podcast, like one of my guests did. So, and I was like, oh, that would be a good topic to talk about. I did the research on it and it was like a light bulb. Oh man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wait, like this is, this is totally what I had. So it was never officially diagnosed, Mm -hmm. but looking back, like I couldn't even get up out of bed and brush my teeth. Yeah. Oh, like right. Matthew had to drag me out just to like do a walk around the block so that I at least saw some sunshine every day. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I had it and I just didn't know. So I guess that's the groundwork. I think that's important to start there. Okay. That's and a you- lot. That's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. But the Lord is so good and he's like redeemed. He's yes. redeemed so much. He's continuing uh, to redeem so I much. I love that. I love that. So I had a very similar story, like out of wedlock, same situation, religious family, scared to tell everybody, same kind of situation in pregnancy. My first pregnancy, I was, we, I always wanted to be a mom. So that's not the same, but like, I was not ready. And it was very difficult. Those first, especially couple of weeks and months of like wrapping my head around the fact that, okay, this is actually happening. So I love that we have a similar. How old were you? I was 21 when I got pregnant, 22 when I had her. So I was not, yeah, I was young. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was 24. Like I said, yeah. and I don't think you are ever going to feel ready. Oh no, absolutely not. Like I ready. would have been 40 and still been like, yes. I'm not ready. I don't feel ready. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're listening to this right now and you feel like, oh crap, I am pregnant and I'm not ready. You are, you just don't know it yet. You just don't know it yet. I know. I'm like, sometimes God gives us things before we're ready for them. And then like, just shows us how much we actually needed it. 
Yes. Yes. I I love my sleep now. (laughs) That's literally what I say of like my whole story is that God, I I think, I mean, just mere mortal. Well, I guess whatever, if you want to get into theology here, but um, (laughs) (laughs) who am I to know the plans of the Lord? But he, I think he, he allowed that to happen that way because Mm -hmm. otherwise I would have pushed off motherhood for years when really it was what I was supposed to be doing all like what I was supposed to be. I love that. Yeah. I always say like motherhood is my greatest ministry on this earth. I'm like, right. Do you feel the same way? <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Which then it's- leads me actually into like so much that I just want to like share with you. Cause I feel like we are just yeah. like good friends and I don't even, it's not even like the time and place, but yes, yeah. I'm like so conflicted because I know this is like yeah. Like we are called to motherhood. That mm-hmm. is a calling and that is our ministry. And it's so hard almost to not get like distracted or feel guilty that I'm not like pouring myself into youth ministry or like yes. this, or that, you know, yeah. especially now that I'm a stay at home mom and I'm like, I should be, that should be okay. me because I have the time, but really like, yeah, we're I'm- just starting to get involved with church because we haven't had the capabilities to really do it before. Now we even like, didn't really go to church that often because of how difficult it was to get out of the house. And now like, now we obviously make it a priority and now we're, we're literally just starting to get involved and I'm so excited. Oh, good. I'm so excited. I'm having an audition for the worship team this week. And I'm like, I don't actually don't want to do it, but God said I had to. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll do it. (laughs) One of those things. I'm like, he's still working on me. So but you're right. I have had, I've felt guilty for that for a long time. And it, it is good of reminder that this is our most important and precious work, raising the next generation yeah. to work for his kingdom, basically. It's yeah. Like the, the whole goal. And we are time. so responsible. Like we are responsible for getting those souls into heaven. Yes. Yeah. And I love that. It's weighty, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a lot. Yeah. So it's such important work. Happy to be doing it. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Okay. We derailed the conversation, but that's okay. That's a good side note. <laughs> so back to the pregnancy situation, we were feeling all types of feelings, very rough, very heavy situation. How yeah. was the birth experience? So because of my prenatal depression, I had a really hard time wanting to educate myself on birth mm. okay i think you and i might have talked about this actually but Maybe. we recorded your episode so long ago that now i don't I know it was months ago. but i like really think that you and i talked about this at least prior to the recording like in our chat <laughs> of i i would like where my podcast almost kind of I mean, it came from my, I'm, I wanted to give the resource to pregnant women that I wish I could have had in my pregnancy. I love that. But what I was like, it was hard for me to read books or to even really like listen to a podcast religiously, even if it was amazing or follow Instagram birthing accounts or whatever, because it was a reminder that I was to come. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, and I didn't want to be pregnant. I mean, I like mm -mm, did not, yeah, did not want, I was so low that I just did not educate myself. Like would not recommend zero out of 10, like do not do that. (laughs) Yeah. I educated myself. Like I was an obsessive Googler, pregnancy app reader kind of deal. And I still was not prepared because they didn't teach me Mm. the things I needed to know. I thought I was prepared though. And that really threw me for a loop. Yeah. So I'm like, education is so incredibly important. Yes. Learning from others who've been there, done that rather than like the system that kind of is rigged against us. I think that's important. So I love that you have that resource for mamas. So exciting. I, so yeah, I like was not educated. So when my doctor was like, oh, do you want to be induced? Because you are, it's your, like you're due. Yeah. baby's not here we can schedule you for next week and I was like yeah that's fine my husband was a very large baby I was on the larger side and yeah. honestly I was just scared of having a big baby it was no I didn't I didn't I just thought I was gonna go in I was gonna be induced and everything else was gonna be fine 
And my goal was to have a natural birth. Yeah. Um, did not do enough preparation for right. doing that. I just thought I could walk in and do you it. You also probably on Pitocin, right? Yes. yes. So then yeah. when I got induced and I'm on, well, first they gave me the Foley bulb and then luckily and thankfully I ha- I did have a quick induction. Like okay. baby That's was good. born in 10 hours, I think, which is really unheard of, especially for first time yeah. mom inductions. So I was like, so thankful, but that's something else that I did not know. I walked in not knowing that my induction could lead to a C-section, did not know that it could be two days. Like, um, I know I was just like all oh, the risks of I like mean, staying yeah. pregnant and like, don't tell you the risks of the induction they're offering. So very common. That happened to me. I'm yes. like, yeah, we need to get baby out because it's so dangerous to keep baby in. But I'm like, it's also so dangerous to undergo an induction experience. Yeah. It's kind of like yes. too hard, but yes. Yeah. So I was just, yeah, they did not walk me through any of it. Wasn't, it's not even like the risks, right? Like just they, the process in general, like what that yes. was painting a picture for you. Like now I know the risks of, I mean, increased food intolerances and food allergies in your baby and like the cascade of interventions that now I know about, but more so like they didn't even just walk me through like, Hey, if we're, if you're induced and the baby isn't here in 48 hours, then we're gonna have a C-section, you know, or like if we break your waters and the baby isn't here in 24 hours, you're having a C-section. They never mentioned that, you know, my heart. So So common, so common. So I just, you know, I go in for an induction and something else that I didn't know, which I, you would think like, I'm a, you know, I'm a smart person. I'm capable. <laughs> like I did well in corporate America before you say, oh, mom, like, and so I think from their perspective, they see it every day. They think that oh, it's like yeah. hand nature that you would think this through, but me not being in the medical field did not think there's through. So I did not think about how, oh, if I'm on all these drugs, then they're monitoring me five times more closely. So right there, I was hooked up to all of this stuff that I wasn't expecting to, because I was induced. Mm-hmm. And then the nurse kept coming in and eventually was like, you're moving too much. You're going to have to base, you're going to have to go into the bed. And that was when oh. the only reason that I wasn't getting an epidural or wanted the only reason that I really wanted a natural birth at that point, because I didn't know the risks and benefits. I simply just knew I wanted to be movement. I wanted to move as much as possible. Yeah. So, so once that was taken from you, it was like, when, okay. Yeah. Once yeah. that was taken from me, I was like, okay, yeah. Sign um, me up. So basically now that I know what I know through my amazing guests, including yourself, um, I will be doing things a little differently. I will not be being induced first. However, I mean, wholeheartedly, I believe like there is a time and place for it. Oh yeah, me too. You I know? say that all like, the time. Like, I say, I'm going to it, but yes, if it like, down to it and it's the best option, yeah, sign yes. me Yes. Yes. Interventions are great. Like, don't get me wrong. That's why they exist. I'm glad we have them. That is why yes. they exist. But they're being used far too often in my that, personal That's company. the thing. <laughs> yes. That's the thing is that they are taken from being these life-saving. Yes. To these standard routine practices. Yeah. That just make us easier patients. Oh, yeah. I'm like repeat customers. We think our body's broken and it doesn't know how to do what it's supposed to do. I'm like... Our bodies made an entire human being from literal scratch plus a disposable organ, and it doesn't know how to birth the baby. Yeah. Blows yeah. my mind, but that's the belief. Have you read? I am recently into cycle thinking. Have oh. you happened to read In the Flow? By no, but Lisa. I'm going to do that because I haven't had a period for years, and now I'm back okay. in period life because my breastfeeding cycle or situation ended, and now I'm back in the cycle. So I've been tracking that. Okay. With- highly recommend okay i'm writing it down everyone who's listening this right now it started changing my life in chapter two like i love that it was so do you know about cycle syncing yes okay okay my best because like during my period week i know like i'm not getting anything done like i don't want to do anything like that i definitely try to plan things around my cycle when I'm like in higher energy. Like this last weekend, I was in ovulation mode and I was like, I got so much done and everything was so great. And I was in such high spirits and like, you know, feeling good. And then it was, yeah. So yes, I I know the basics, but I'm definitely interested in learning more. Well, she does. She's the one who coined cycle syncing. Okay. She's kind of like the 
mother of it, if you will. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's always, you know, if you look back at ancient cultures yeah. and stuff, they had routines, but in terms of like modern society modern. today, yeah. um, but in that she talks so much about that on how, as a society, we're taught that like our bodies are broken. Yeah. Well, as yeah, as women in our society, we're taught that our bodies are broken. And so it's just interesting coming because she's simply talking about the menstrual cycle or not even the menstrual cycle, just like, well, yeah, yeah, the whole cycle, the menstrual cycle, our yeah. fertility. Right. And, and it's interesting that you just said that about birth because yeah. it shows that it's not an attack necessarily on birth. It's not an attack, on, attack our cycle. on women, attack mm-hmm. on women. Yes, ma'am. Oh Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to put my tinfoil hat on, but <laughs> I'm like, it's this system is rigged against us wholeheartedly. Yeah. So, and people need to know about it because I'm like, you've been lied to. Basically, you've been told you're, you know, we make babies that are too big. Our hips are too narrow. You're too old. You're too fat. You're all these things. And I'm like, actually, they make money off of you believing that. And it creates repeat customers. Okay. You have a C section, you have to have another C section. You have the belief like, oh my gosh, my doctor saved me and my baby when honestly it might've, of course, like not for every situation, but it possibly could have been avoided. And now you're going to tell everybody, you know how many times I've heard I would have died if I had my baby at home. I would be a rich lady if I got a dollar every time I heard that because people believe that being in the hospital saved their life. And I'm like, honestly, they might've put you in that position. You don't even know it. Yeah. It is hard. Like I have a hard time though, because there are really traumatic, like really oh. sad home birth stories. Yes, for and sure. I do have yeah. like a really hard time because it's just like, yes, you know, like it's it's hard because I'm trying to be like, I don't say you shouldn't have a hospital birth because my like the Learning to Mom podcast really is everyone has a seat at the table and like you need to do uh-huh. what feels comfortable for you. I know for my next birth, I would love to have a birth center birth. Yeah. Um but I guess it's difficult when I just see that stuff that's like anti-home birth, you yeah. know, because I'm just like, well, that's not helpful either. That's the thing. Like I, again, support all births. They're all welcome here. I help moms mostly. I mean, 98% of births happen in the hospital. Yeah. It's like that's a crazy big number. So most of my clients and students are people that are having babies in the hospital. And I'm like, you can have a beautiful, amazing birth in the hospital. It's not, it's not available to you. I'm like, you just should have a place where like those interventions are available to you, but not pushed on you. Like they should be available to you, but not required of you. And a lot of the times they're made, like I thought all the things that were implemented during my first birth were required of me to have a baby. I had no clue. They told me they had language like you have to, or we have to do this, or we're going to do this. There was no questions, no education, nothing. I had no clue. I was just doing what I was told because I was there. I was 22 years old. I didn't know any better. So we have to flip that script a little bit and really just take power over our experiences. And you can have a beautiful birth wherever you choose to birth. That's my birth. Yeah. Well, you said earlier too about like, it wasn't in context of this, but you said the words that I'm going to pinpoint and it was the doctor delivers the baby. And like, I've heard it said just through guests of like, the doctor doesn't deliver your baby. Oh, you deliver deliver. The baby, the doctor just catches it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I try to be very careful with like my language, but like, because of the language that is so used. Is so right. That's what deliver the baby, um, you know, things like that. We're patients. Like, I don't think we're patients. I think we're hiring somebody to provide a service for us. And that's like the reality of it, but we're treated like a, like this broken person who needs all this help delivering our baby. That's so good. Yeah. I know you talked on your episode with me a lot about that and how like the hospital works for us yes. and not vice versa. So good. That's one so- of the only yeah. things that we, it's like the only thing we go to the hospital for when we're a completely healthy and fine human being. That is the only yes. thing that we go to the hospital yes. for in that yes. situation. Like there's nothing that needs to be fixed. We want to have access to the interventions if and when we need them. And that's it. And that should be the extent of it. Not these, like, I'm like every provider out there, every single one of them already have a birth plan for you. Every single one. Like, so just be leery of that. There are people that can, will completely throw theirs in the trash and they're like, I'm totally on board with yours, valuing that individualized care, which I love. Then there's some people like it's my way or the highway. Yeah. I think your provider is the most important decision you can make surrounding your birth experience. That's just, Mm. again, my opinion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 
<laughs> so good. I love it. Me so too. we had the birth experience. It didn't go as you planned, Mm-mm. which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I was still like, yeah, very fortunate in that mm-hmm. it was still a really great birth. I didn't have any birth trauma, I would say. Like I love that. All you. of my um just looking back, mm-hmm. honestly, if I wouldn't have started the Learning to Mom podcast and have had amazing guests in the field of prenatal health on my podcast, if I was in the same boat that I was post-birth mm-hmm. without all my research, I'd be like, sign me up, sign me up again. Oh, I'm- I've been there. Oh yeah. I used to, yeah. I, st- I started educating and I had a blog and stuff and I used to tell people induction is the best way to go. It was so great, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I totally, I didn't even believe this last experience that I just had was even possible for me. Mm. I never even believed it. And then once I yeah. realized, okay, I, people aren't born this way. They're working their butts off to get this result and I can do it too. It's like, I wasn't, it's not that I was never willing to put in the work. It's, I didn't know that result was available to me. And I'm like, all right, sign me up. I will do anything to get that result. And yeah. Yeah. So yes, I, yeah, that's interesting that you say that. So it's like, we, we don't know. We're not taught this stuff. We don't right. know it's available. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I am like really thankful. Like everything was really great. Um, like I love, I love my nurses. Delivery oh, was great. great. Um, but postpartum, mm-hmm. I need to look up the freaking word because I can never remember the word because it is a medical word. <laughs> so I read it to say it and then just it it's exits not. my brain. I have a few words um, like that. <laughs> but it, essentially it means that you're so I tore and essentially my body overhealed. And you okay. would think that that is not a big deal. You would think that that's even like the best. It hurt so mm-hmm. bad. I went in before my six week appointment. I was probably like three weeks post. Okay. And I called them and I was like, I think I'm in, I think it's infected. Oh man. Yeah. And so like I went in and she checked, she checked me and the doctor who delivered the baby who had sewn me up and she was like, no, it just, it all, it's just red. Like you did almost push out a nine pound baby. It's just red. Like, I'm so sorry that you're feeling this way. And she was so great. I like, that's great. Yeah. She like, she was very empathetic. She wasn't like, oh, nothing's wrong. Get over it. You know, she was like, I can Mm -hmm. like, like, uh, I'm so sorry. Like, unfortunately nothing's wrong. There's not really, well, it turns out something was wrong. She just couldn't see it then because I was still just so naturally like red and engorged down there. Mm -hmm. So then at my six week appointment, I saw who I saw my normal provider, my primary. Okay. So not the doctor who had delivered Mm -hmm. and my provider just ch- starting chit chat before I like get up there, put my feet in the stirrups for her to check everything mm-hmm. out. Um, you know, she's like, how are things? And I'm like, I'm still on my couch crying. I still can't change my baby. Like I'm changing my baby on the floor because wow. I can't stand for more than two minutes. And she like takes one look up there and was like, well, well, that's why you have xyz and i wasn't cleared for like i think it was like four or six weeks more so i had to go back weekly and they had to put this medicine thing up there with like this long q-tip and it burned so bad oh my gosh and so i i say that i had no birth trauma birth trauma but i had postpartum afterwards oh yeah that'll do it oh man that's crazy so that i really i like pray that i do not have that again going forward Wow. That with my first baby, I, once I was cleared and everything, and I didn't know that this was even a thing, but my provider gave me the husband stitch. No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. And when I tell you that I was in so much pain for weeks afterwards, like not during the healing process, like the healing process wasn't bad, but again, like it was kind of like an overhealing pro like it healed, you know, like that's not even a thing. First of all, for anybody listening, that is not a thing that even does anything because it's a muscle and it goes back. Just so everybody knows. So it's just yeah. It's also just like abuse. It's oh, absolutely, definite, definite medical abuse for sure. There's a lot of things that happened in my my, my heart that were abusive. Breaking. 
Yes, it was awful. I am so so painful. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah, it was not a fun time, and I didn't even know what that was. But he, like, literally, it wasn't even said to me. It wasn't asked of me. It was like there was a comment made to my husband in the delivery room. He wasn't my husband. He was my boyfriend or fiance at the time. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a whole thing. And then in hindsight, I was like, oh my gosh, this is why I'm experiencing all this pain trying to have intercourse now. And it's like he made it way worse than it would have been if he just did the freaking job the right way. Makes me angry. My heart's in like the pit of my stomach. Mm, yeah. I know this is like. No women. No, no one deserves that. Absolutely not. No. The stories I've heard doing this work. I'm like. I. Mine like. My story's like pale in comparison. Like. Oh I don't even like want to Yeah. Mm-mm. I can. I. I mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to handle any other stories. Because yeah. I'm not handling yours right now. <laughs> if yours is pale. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. But like a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Doing this work is has me all up in my feels all the time. Oh. It's important work to do because I need people to know that that kind of stuff is not acceptable and not normal. And the the system we have is again rigged against us. And it's not a safe place for us. So we have to make sure that we're educated enough to get the experience that we want and deserve. Like I think that's so important. So here's a question. Yeah. That maybe you, I don't know if you want to cut this part out, but um, <laughs> also cut out that part if you wanted in. So um, not to be sexist or make any accusations or hypothesis there from the stories that are you are told mm-hmm. from that, mm-hmm. are they mostly men? They like, are mostly men. Yeah, for sure. Makes me want to. For sure. Eat them all. I now. have the belief that men shouldn't be in that kind of role i have been told i the stories that i've heard of like men straight up telling them like oh you can't do that or you don't know what you're talking about or whatever i'm like why would you know why would you know as a person who would never ever experience anything like this has no clue like how would you know what they're feeling or what's best for them or what they're experiencing like how would you know you wouldn't and you're sitting here acting like you know everything not okay. Anyways, I know yeah. that there are like really amazing male OBGYNs. Oh, for sure. There are. are. And there are women that are abusive and awful. So and ter- true. Very true. So true. It's I know totally that for true. me personally, mm-hmm. I would not feel comfortable seeing a man. Yeah. But that's just. I saw several in doctors mind. in the same practice and I saw two of them were men and two of them are women. Okay. Mine didn't have any. My practice doesn't have any men. Yeah. I don't see that practice anymore. They were abusive on so many levels, even the women. And the whole practice was very backwards in my personal opinion. And I know a lot of women who went through that same practice because it's like one of the biggest in our area. And a lot of people are just forced to go through that practice because of insurance and yeah. what they're able and willing to pay out of pocket for and things like that. It's just like, it breaks my heart, man, because I know they're just doing things so backwards. Like I've had conversations with the women in that practice that like have had babies themselves and who were literally, they didn't even know what they were talking about. Like why I went recently with um, my sister to an appointment and they wanted to do a cervical check on her. Didn't ask for consent. Didn't say anything about it. They were just like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And then she would like start to walk out the door. And I was like, wait, cause that's the whole reason she brought me because she didn't want one and she didn't know how to advocate Aww. for herself. So that was the whole reason she brought me. I was like, okay, hang on, pause. <laughs> I said, you didn't want a cervical check though, right? She's like, no, I didn't. And so the provider was like, like, first of all, very taken aback. It didn't get heated because I was trying to be respectful and all the things, you know? And she was like, well, why not? I want to check you. And I was like, well, why? Like, tell me why you want this information. And she's like, well, it's like important and blah, blah, blah. We need to know how far along she is and all the things. I'm like, but but why? Because if dilation isn't required before labor begins, why why do you need to know? Because like I, you don't know who you're talking to, first of all, lady. <laughs> and she was she was you know put her little doctor face on. She's like, well, labor is defined as dilation of the cervix paired with contractions. I was like, yeah, you already asked her if she was having contractions, and the answer was no. So I'm confused. And she's like, well, mm. I just want to. I was like, okay, well, that's not a good enough reason. And I literally was like, you need to like think on this. Experience. How many weeks is your sister, or was your sister? She had her baby that night via C-section. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was a couple weeks ago. I think. Okay. Someone- but how many weeks was she when was- they started wanting to 
she had had a cervical check at her last appointment. Okay. And um, she was probably like 37 weeks yeah. when they started doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I went with her at her 38 week appointment. She was probably 38 and some change. Um, I'm like, it's, it's very rarely required in your prenatal experience. <laughs> like if that's not something you want to do. And like one of the biggest horror stories I hear, like one of the biggest like disheartening things I hear is membrane sweeps that are happening without consent, which happened yeah. to me. I've yeah. heard I an alarming amount of mothers that have had this experience at this point. And I'm like, if, you know, I mean, that's, they're putting you at risk without you even knowing. I'm like, they just, they're already up there and they do it and they're like, okay. And most of the time they won't even tell you. And if you ask, they'll deny it. I'm Mm -hmm. like so many people, I'm like, if this is what you were experiencing, this, this is what it felt like. Cause so many people are like, it hurts so much more than my regular cervical checks. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I said, if there was this kind of motion and all the things and, um, it's just, I'm seeing it happen so often. I'm like, one of the best ways to protect yourself from that is just denying cervical checks. Yeah. One of the best ways. And like, you have to make that decision for yourselves and weigh the risks and benefits of having a cervical check during your prenatal experience. But I'm like, that is, if that's something that you want to protect yourself from, consider it, you know, anyways, this whole side, side tangent, but yeah, it's rough out here. (laughs) Remind me where you're at. I'm in Florida. Okay. Florida. I don't know. Southern Florida, is that what you said? Central. Central. Mm. No, I'm in Indiana. Okay. All right. Midwest. So very different. I know I have a um, OB nurse practitioner on. Okay. And we talked a little bit about C-sections and she said, I don't know how the rest of Florida is. She said that, so she's in Miami. She said that, you know, World Health Organization wants 10 to 15%. The U.S. is in the 30s and Uh Miami is in the 40s. Yeah. Yep. That's an important statistic to ask your provider if you're like interview. I think everyone should be interviewing their providers Mm -hmm. before they hire somebody. That's just my small opinion. You gave a really great tip on your episode with me of have like calling for a free consult. Consult. And if they're not willing, then it's like, okay, well then. No, it's a red, that's a red flag. Yeah. 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 Sorry. If that's you, my answer. I don't right know. I can't, I can't make a decision on you if I don't know the answers to my questions. Yeah. yeah. I always say like, I put in more effort into um, deciding what refrigerator to buy when I was remodeling a kitchen than choosing my provider for my birth experiences with the first few. Yeah. Like that's messed up, but it's such a common yeah. thing. Like we yeah. would put way more research into buying a computer or an iPad or a phone or something than our provider, which is. Yeah. Like it's one of the biggest purchases you can make. That's so true. <laughs> it's like because so it's so, it's just, it's not presented to us as mm-hmm. like. As a, yeah, it's not. We're not presented that we're the consumers. Yeah. But that's the reality of it. Yeah. Now that is not presented to us like that at all. It's like, I yeah. try to bring ultra awareness to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah. Interviewing them is important. And yeah, I don't remember. My brain blanks sometimes. It's the <laughs> No, I think oh, it's the C-section like, rate. That oh, is something yeah. you should ask your providers about. Is that how it is where you are too? Or is that my um, like, It I just depends on the hospital and the situation. Right. Um, the hospital that I gave birth at years ago had a decent rate, probably on par with the United States, which I don't think is decent at all. Right. But considering like it's there, it's decent for them. But there are some in the area that are like 40, 50%. And it's crazy. Like if you're opting for a home birth too, another statistic to ask is their transfer rate and what that looks like. So, I mean, obviously you can't be, you can't guarantee any sort of situation, but if you know like, oh, they might be doing these too often, or maybe they're not equipped to handle the type of birth that I want to facilitate. And like, okay, at that point, they might not be the provider for you. It's an yeah. important statistic to be curious about. That's all. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Some are just outrageously high. I know there's one state and I don't even know which state it is, but their overall rate is like over, it's like probably almost 60%. It's like oh crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I don't even remember where we were, what we were talking about. I'm going on the rabbit trails, which I love. <laughs> I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> I know. I feel the same way about you. I love it. Oh, so we had the postpartum experience. 
How long did you deal with that? I'm trying to remember. I know I talk about it in one of my episodes, but now it's just kind of like, it is amazing how much your brain brain blocks stuff out. It's totally Mm. God's design, right? Like it is, we are wired, like it is on purpose. So that way we do it again. Mm -hmm. Like it is human, like our just mammal instinct, like, you know, it's our, oh yeah. Our species needing to survive. I also make when I go through trauma, it like requires a little bit. And when you have a traumatic experience like that, it's so easy for our brain to just be like, oh, we're never going to think about that again. Let's bury that way deep down inside. So true. Yeah. So I was, I think 10 weeks, 10 or 12 weeks when I was cleared and I had to go back every week. Wow. And then even, and it was so painful that even the last time I went in, the doctor was like, there's a tiny little bit up like left. We can do it or like not do it. And I was like, well, how long will that take? And there was no promises, but I was, it, the medicine thing hurt. It just stung. Like it basically burned your skin and it, it's burning your tissue up there. I guess it like burns your tissue. Um, and so she was like, it's your choice. And I was like, yeah, no, I'll just. So then I think for a okay. while I was nervous with sex yeah. with my husband. Oh, yeah. uh, is it going to hurt? Mm-hmm. So first, first months of postpartum were not fun, but oh, yeah. um, just uh, because I, I had so much stress, honestly, mm-hmm. and it, th- by the time things got going again there it wasn't painful but my brain still didn't believe that it wasn't going oh yeah yeah that's the yeah pretty much yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly oh man that's rough I'm so sorry you went through that that's okay I just didn't and it's something that's honestly very rare like it's not one of those things it's like I have to tell every woman because this is something that no one told me like my Mm -hmm. thing is so rare like pray to God that that doesn't happen to me again and I'm pray to God that that doesn't happen to you Yes. It's like whoever's listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But something to be aware of. Something to think yeah. about. Yeah. If you're experiencing pain postpartum, get, you know, get, yeah. the, get the answers you need. The worst thing. I had a good girlfriend who I, I was like 36 weeks along or something when her son was born. And so she was okay. post, and I was comparing my postpartum journey to hers, which you should not do. Yes. But, but to an extent, it is helpful to yes. hear other people's experience. And yes. is it normal? Is it not? Exactly. Yeah. I didn't know. Besides her, I didn't have any mom friends. So, okay. which is yeah. another why I want to start the podcast to be mm-hmm. the mom, be a mom friend. Yeah, I was the first mom. one like in my life to like have babies yes. for a while. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it paved the yes. way. <laughs> um, And so I was like, she was like up and moving. And like, I can't and I wore diapers for so long because of the extra bleeding like it was this whole it was horrible yeah oh it sounds horrible oh man yeah it was really bad and and too I took so much Tylenol and Advil that you're really that you're only supposed to take like during your you know your cramping for like a couple days and I took them for weeks is that I'm nervous for those like I did, I did a number on my body just from mm-hmm. excessive Tylenol and Advil taking. Oh man. Oh, that breaks my heart. I'm so sad you went through that. Right. Other people have it way worse. It, yeah. Just... Still, you still went through it quite. If I would have known like what I, if I would have known like that is going to happen to you, the only thing that I wish I would have done differently then to like for help is I would have made so many more freezer meals. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's like my, yeah, going forward, I'm going to make so, so many. That's interesting. I've never done that, but I have people that bring us, you know, bring us food. And like my parents always like, what do you want? Let me, I'll get you whatever you need. That's so nice. Yes. I'm like, I always say like, set yourself up for success postpartum, Mm -hmm. prepare yourself as much as you can to do as little as possible. Yes. have conversations set expectations all the things like make sure yeah. you are stocked up because that is just it's such an an interesting time in life as it is and then like also when you have a curveball like that and it's not what you expect it's like you have to be as prepared as possible because then it's like you're taking care of so much it's like you should just be focusing on taking care of your body and your baby 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I know not everybody has the resources and people and things like that, but as much as you can prepare yourself. (laughs) So I love that. That's a good tip. Making free things. Good, good stuff. I know a lot of mamas that do that. I know some mamas that have like a little like postpartum prep party kind of deal like oh cute they have people come over and help them like prepare the nursery and okay I saw that like that's like trending right now I think that they're under like a nesting party okay yeah kind of thing yeah nesting party yeah like I I think that would force myself to nest I know I'm like I love that idea but also I want to do it my way. Yes. That's why I'm like, <laughs> I'm yes. Like, but also I want to know where all the baby hats are. Like, yes. you know, oh, yeah, for sure. I'm like, I could see if I had like a list of tasks that needed to be done and like everybody came over and helped with something that would be a different story. Maybe Ooh, that's good. That's like, how to do it. Yeah. You're really hacking be, yeah, for sure. I'm like that sounds yeah. awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yes. That's good. And if you're visiting somebody who's postpartum, bring food. Just bring food. Yes. And don't <laughs> hold the baby. And don't touch the baby. Do some dishes instead. Look at the baby <laughs> from across the room. Mop the they floor. Do thing. not even think about For real. <laughs> no, don't wash your hands because you don't need to. Just wash the dishes. I'm like, yeah. Ooh, we have we have Can you backwards. put that on a poster? That's hilarious. <laughs> no, don't not washing your hands. You will. Just wash the dishes. <laughs> No rules for touching the baby because you're not allowed. <laughs> we do. We tell people like a week after and we're like, hey, we had the baby. That just, was actually, that's huge, actually, in a really great. We I had to learn things the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, one, we did not let anyone into our hospital room, which was that. amazing and totally doable with the first. You know, the thing is, is that like. Mm-hmm. Now that we have one, we'll want her to meet her sibling yes. in the hospital. But then then that means grandparents have to come. Mm-hmm. So like that's kind of a different beast. And I haven't figured out. I'm not even pregnant. So I haven't <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when yes. we get there. Oh yeah. For the Absolutely. first one, Haley recommend not letting anyone in. Mm-hmm. It was so nice. Like I hadn't, yeah. It wasn't so nice because I think some women hate hospitals. Like you probably feel this way because. Oh, I hated it. It was like, get me out of here. I I quite enjoyed my hospital stay. Yeah. Especially once you have kids and you're like, oh, this is like a vacation. (laughs) So I get that. I I love mine like when I didn't even have a kid yet. So a kid that was one day old, I guess. But um yeah, I like really loved my hospital stay. Some people do. Yeah. And. I, but it was just so nice. Not that it was a great experience. I mean, even though I loved it, it's not like, oh, this is luxury. It's not that. No, it It was was nice that I literally could be topless as I was because I was trying to figure out how to breastfeed Mm -hmm. and I didn't have to worry about my father-in-law coming in and I, you know, didn't have to shower the entire time that I was there because I wasn't concerned about my mother-in-law, you know, like Uh it was just, oh, chef's I had a a total opposite situation. I had visitors while I was in labor. I had people waiting on me in the, in the waiting room. I had people in and out while I was like, literally just like hanging on the squat bar, like just dead. (laughs) Like it was awful. Like my husband's um, like grandparents were in there and mom who I had met like one time at that point. Cause she lived out of state and like, not, a, not great. Not great. I'm like, your peace is like the ultimate priority that day, because I believe yeah. that you are relaxed and you feel safe and you feel peaceful. Like that allows your body to open and release and do what it needs to do. That's versus, not like, even a, your belief. Like that's a fact. Oh, that's a fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm like, that's biologically a fact. And I'm yes. like, and like, you don't even realize how much somebody walking in that you feel uncomfortable with, how much that affects your body and what it's supposed to be doing. Like your body's just oh, going to tense right up. I have heard stories of moms literally undilating when something happens, like literally going yeah. backwards in their progression. Well, I have, <laughs> actually, it might've been you on your episode, man, um, talking about like, <laughs> a deer in the forest if you see a giving birth and then if a predator comes the 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 
deer will literally suck that baby back up and go have the baby somewhere else. Oh, like, that wasn't my episode, okay. but that's great. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. just about like, you know, and we're mammals, yes. like that's us. Yeah. We operate the same way. I'm like, yeah. watch so nature if- when you have questions about birth, just watch, <laughs> just yeah. watch and see how it's designed. Yeah. Birth by design is out there in nature. You can see it. <laughs> like we have a very corrupt view now. So look mm-hmm. elsewhere. <laughs> Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh. So then, okay, that was a good tangent. And then, um, (laughs) so highly recommend not having any visitors in the hospital if possible. Mm -hmm. And then we got home and my family who only lives 10 minutes away, they came over that day, which was great. So only like a few hours and they were really very respectful. It was very fortunate that they like, it was only a few hours. Mm -hmm. That's who I felt that's who I was like, hold your grandchild, hold your niece, yeah. you know, like, yes, that's different. I you know? in the same way. Cause and my then, is allowed. <laughs> and then <laughs> my the next family day, <laughs> yes. And then the next day, um, my husband's family came over and like brought us lunch and they live two hours away, but okay. I was still like, that was a big blessing too. Cause they only stayed like two hours as well. Okay. So I was kind of like mentally prepared for like, oh, this is going to be a long time to like make their four hours in the car worth Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Luckily they were very respectful. And so that first, I think it was the first two weeks I only allowed family to come. And then, so then the third week I opened it up to front, like it wasn't, it wasn't an open door. Yeah. Then like my very best yeah yeah, I then Mm -hmm. I reached out to friends on week three but it was still very scheduled Mm -hmm. and yeah and that was great highly highly recommend I love that yeah yeah I would say like like people need to wait to be told like hey it's time kind of deal like I hate the like hey is baby here yet a blah blah blah. like like you'll know when you need to know like yeah like so I like that like just take your time and like that's such a yes. sacred space no one's entitled to that postpartum space nobody like literally no one and if yeah. you feel like you need to take a day or two or weeks even to yourself and to adjust to this new life you're living even if it's your fifth baby like it's a new yeah. life you're living take the time you deserve it be selfish yeah. like that's one of the things that you can totally be selfish with yeah. and if anybody feels some type of way oh well <laughs> you are not going to regret not like you're not going to regret not letting someone else hold your baby you are going to regret not getting enough cuddles and you holding the baby Mm -hmm. because now I have so much more perspective on it of like holy crap that time was so short so short so short like the blink of an eye yeah and that's why I'm like oh I'm like baby fever Uh over here so bad Uh I know you have it mama four like five you have five holy crap had your fifth. Yes. You are amazing. The last time we talked, I only had four. Yes. Yeah. You are amazing. I'm trying to take a break because she's only four months old. Yeah. My husband's like, let's go. I'm like, calm down, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we talk, I'll probably be friends. <laughs> and hey, you might be too. <laughs> like, I give me all the babies, man. I know. That's the thing is because that time is so short and that's the time that I love the most. It is. I know. It's my favorite time. People think I'm crazy. I'm like newborn stage is my favorite stage. Yeah. I knew it was going to be because physical touch is my love language. And I was like, that's the time that they have, they want to to be. Yeah. My my 14 month old now is like, mom, please stop. Don't touch me. She's only 14 months, which before I became a mom, I never like that always annoyed me. So I think pretty soon when she hits a year and a half, I'm going to start, stop saying the months. Cause okay. that is, I think that is weird. Like saying, I think, but it, I think, but for, like, yeah, well, 24 at that point too. I'm like for the first, like, yeah, I always try to like round when it's like, yeah, like 18 months. Like if it's like 16 or 17 or like 19, whatever, like a year and a half. Yeah. I'll that. I'm yeah. like, it is a big difference from a 14 month old to like a 22 month old. Like yeah. you just saying, oh, my baby's one. That's a huge difference. So I do think yeah. like, I don't know, it is kind of annoying. Like if you're using it after two, like, no, we can't be friends. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like for real, like at that point, it's just a two-year-old. Okay. Um, but yeah, but I, it's just I'm crazy always annoyed with that too. Quickly, like 
I mean, she stopped being into my cuddles, honestly, at probably four months. Mm-hmm. Like she wasn't a contact napper either. Okay. So like she likes her I, physical yeah. touch is not her love language. Physical space. I physical touch is literally her last. I do think it's quality time. It's so sweet how like oh. these things are already like I know it's not so cute. Like, I know it's so I'm, quick. I'm interacting with a human. She's not even a baby. She's a human. my mind all the time that I created whole human beings and they're just out here walking around and talking and like especially when they talk to each other. I'm like, what's going on? What is happening? <laughs> mind blowing. So still can't wrap my head around it some days. I'm like, wow, I really, that those are the, I made those. Holy cow. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, the best water bottle ever. You and, can- and now we are interrupting this podcast episode to get an Owala commercial. <laughs> like the links. No one, no one really- here in Indiana has this. Are you no kidding one. me? The free sip. It's a, it's a must. It's a, a must. Because I, I love straws. But I can't have a, I have to be able to throw it in my bag. Are you kidding me? No, yes. I've been using this for years. And this one's and like really bent up. And- my favorite one prior to this was like, it was huge. What was this like back in middle school? The Camelback water bottles with like the gummy, like straws like, that you probably like, bite yeah. into. But then those things got so gross. So yeah. like this, and oh my I'm not, <laughs> I haven't hopped on the Stanley bandwagon. No, that's not for me. It just like weighs 50 pounds and I don't know I feel like it's the one thing I'm kind of basic but I I want one but also I will never use it (laughs) yeah well I'm like oh the only reason I want one is because everyone else has one Mm -hmm. I don't so then I'm like no Layla I don't actually want it yeah you're yeah I would rather buy two more of these Walla water bottle everyone Walla water bottles get one especially if you're a pregnant or nursing mama and you need all the hydration get one get one i have like them all in all different sizes <laughs> oh seriously my husband yeah. just got me this one it's like the larger one i just found yeah, out that there's a skinny one yeah so it fits in my cup holders in the car yes exactly. Yes. this one doesn't yes. oh man oh but my actually i do know someone um who has an awala it's like the stanley but it's awala but it's the exact same thing as a stanley same fit same straw like but this is the one that oh the free sip is the only one i want yeah, because the one that cool. like when you open it, the the straw pops up and like, like I don't, I just this no, is the I seen this one. They have a bunch of different ones. I didn't know they had like a Stanley Cup one though. Interesting. It's I'll cute. Her, hers like is the color of yours. I love this. It's like flamingo or something. I've had this for years. I had a, I have an all black one. I have like a blue one. I have a skinny purple one. That's like the twenty four ounce. They're my favorite water bottle. It's so funny. This is my one and only water bottle. So if I lose this, I'm. Oh, so man. I love. I can't find my black one, and I'm like, that's my favorite one. The all black mm. one. That's such a vibe for me. I'm like I, I love all black everything. <laughs> I can like, see that. All black everything. Mis- all black everything. As your aesthetic is literally groovy. Oh yeah, it's like that's definitely more. But like as far as like clothes and things like accessories, like all black everything, like black shoes, black purse, black bags, like that's uh-huh. my that's more my vibe. I'm trying to be more groovy in the clothing too. Like I've just always been all black everything. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> I was told in college, this is like I'm so sorry if you were still listening to this podcast episode. <laughs> I was told in college that if this sounds so weird because it is weird which is why i'm telling this my friends and i all decided to like say something like if your fashion if your wardrobe was this type of breakfast food what it would be so someone was like granola because she's like super granola and like you know that's like a really good one someone was waffles because she always wore those like waffle i I think they're called like waffle like their waffle material. I don't know. Yeah. I got like a certain fabric Mm -hmm. and mine was lucky charm cereal because I wear like bright colors. I do not, I do not do well in fall and winter. I need spring. I am the minor. I'm more of a fall winter, like covering me up. Like like, neutrals are in and I just don't vibe. (laughs) I need, I need color. I'm like both though, because like, like when I'm at church and like wear the big, like bright dresses and like mm. yeah I'm like apparently I have to wear like neutral clothes for praise and worship team so I'm like I don't I have to go and buy clothes for this situation Bummer. <laughs> which is fine but I'm like they're not gonna let me wear my big like green dress I was on stage <laughs> like, which is fine but yeah we'll have to see how that well, goes hopefully the audition goes well so that way you Thanks. 
we'll see how it goes yeah <laughs> yeah that's something i have to do this week i don't know i don't want to do it but i said i would so what song are you gonna sing they gave me three options oh. so the one i've been listening to is surrounded what are the uh, who sings that i don't even know who sings it <sighs> sounds like this is how i fight my battles fight my battles no that's not it i'm thinking of jesus christ i don't even know oh yeah no it's more like i i like slower songs to sing personally but, like they were well, all I, that's what i was like that which, one that i know of surrounded. that was like the slowest one like yeah oh um, it, yeah it is fight my battle okay wait michael yeah fight my battles. it's uh, surrounded like and also called fight my battles this is how i fight my battles oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Oh, it may look like I'm surrounded. Yes. I'm surrounded yes. by you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I love that's that. a good one. Yeah. So that's I'll be singing that sometime this week. I have to record it and send it in. Oh, interesting. Which is nice because that sounds easier than a live audition, but also yeah. not because then I'm gonna want to get it perfect and record it seven times. I'll try not to. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> oh man, I love chatting with you. <laughs> this is fun. Any other questions? any other things about birth that was awesome i think we covered a lot of topics <laughs> we were all over the place it was great lots of good tidbits in here okay what is your number one like if you're going to do things next time like what's one thing that you're totally going to be doing in preparation for birth one um actually being informed and do that by listening to this podcast and also going over and typing in learning to mom in your podcast player app and listening to my podcast yes. where I tell you at the beginning, I inform first time moms on pregnancy and birth. So that way they can be empowered and educated without feeling overwhelmed. And essentially, um, season one is all about topics that you encounter in pregnancy and birth. And then season two, we move into postpartum topics they encounter in baby's first year of life. Season oh, three is topics you encounter in baby's second year of life. That way, when you just hop on, you can binge all the content that's relevant to you. And then like it is serving you timely where you're at. You oh, never have to worry that. about topics like just what I was finding when I was tra- when I was pregnant and I was when I had the energy or the gumption to like actually do some research, I would just find some stuff where I was like, okay, I like this girl. And then, you know, she's talking about contractions. And then the next episode, she would talk about like how to increase your toddler's vocabulary. And I was like, that just doesn't serve me where I'm at. Then I'm going to have to, I'm just going to have to check back in next week to see if that's relevant, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I really wanted to create something that was super relevant to moms. So I, my advice is to actually be informed And you can do that by listening to this podcast and going over to mine, checking that out. And another tip that I would say is to um, make as many freezer meals as you can. Yes. (laughs) I love it. It's good to Yeah. Information is key. Like that helps on so many different, so many different levels. And yeah, I'll definitely be linking your podcast in the show notes. If you guys are interested and you should be, you should go check it out. The information is in the show notes for you. I like this i mean you can totally tell taylor and i are like good friends we had so much fun um mine is a little more direct yeah which de- pros and cons right and it totally just depends on your vibe mm-hmm. and that's what's great about podcasting is because you can find like what vibe so taylor i don't remember the exact date of yours um in february i think but taylor comes on and she talks all about her birth experience and how to really prep for birth which is super important. So you won't kind of, you don't have to like listen to our whole chit chat again. You really get a, yes. a good meet with yeah. Taylor's episode. Mm-hmm. I love it. This was so much fun. Anything so much else fun. you want to tell, tell us? No. That was good. I'm proud of that. you. And I'm proud of everyone who's listening, who's bettering themselves to have a better birth. Yes. It's such important work and it's hard, but it's so worth it. And yeah. It's, it's awesome. You won't regret it. Absolutely. Mm, I love that. Okay. Well, until next time, maybe I'll have you on again. <laughs> ah, so fun. I would love that. Yeah. All right, girl. Thanks for hanging. Bye. Bye.